Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It's great to be with you once again. I'm going to fly solo on this episode. And before I do, I want to let you know about a trust building course you can download for free that will give you a foundation for rebuilding trust with your partner. And if you're the one that's been betrayed, this course will also help you get some foundational information on how to begin healing. This can be such a confusing and disorienting time for both the person who broke the trust and the person who's been betrayed. And so I created this resource that's called the First Steps to Rebuilding Trust, and you can download it for free using the link in the show notes, and I'll send it to you right away. Today, I'm going to answer a question submitted to me recently from a woman who is, her husband is enrolled in my Trust Building Bootcamp online course, which is a 12-week online video course that walks people through the steps of rebuilding trust in a much deeper way. And she submitted the question with a very understandable frustration. And I thought it was such an important question. And I wanted to answer it here on the podcast so that I could share this answer with all of you, because I'm guessing that there are probably many of you who have either run into this situation or will run into the situation now or in the future if you're trying to heal from um, an addiction or a compulsive behavior or unwanted patterns in your life or in the life of someone you love and are trying to rebuild connection with. So let me read the question and then I'm going to spend a little bit of time going through some thoughts on just a response here for her. Okay, so here's the question. She says, my husband and I are taking your trust building course. It's been 10 years since he did a full disclosure of his pornography addiction and acting out. He says he's been in recovery for about two years now. He's definitely doing good things that show me he's engaged in recovery, talking to sponsors and listening to podcasts especially. He continues to act out every few weeks, a cycle that has persisted since discovery. Do we both just need to keep being patient or does this mean his recovery efforts are not cutting it? Why can't he move past this stage to stop acting out? So first of all, I just want to recognize an important distinction here. 10 years ago, there was a discovery and full disclosure. Now, I don't know how soon the disclosure was on the heels of the discovery. I'm guessing he was discovered that he was not, he not, did not come forward. And there's a huge difference between those two things and, and how the recovery process goes. But it sounds like the recovery effort really didn't get any traction until about two years ago. And so even though she's known about this and he opened up and confessed everything 10 years ago, there's really only been a couple of years of actual ongoing deeper recovery work, which is really when those attitudes and mindsets and, and emotional work and all that stuff starts to shift. Now, of course, stopping the behavior is critical. That's why she wrote this question, because that's something that's not happening still. But that's where a lot of people start. It's actually not uncommon for everyone just to believe, okay, the first thing that will happen is they'll get sober and then they'll get into recovery. And it can be frustrating and confusing when you go from 
wow, the ongoing acting out, the, the lines are still being crossed. There's still, in this case, pornography happening every few weeks. But there's also a lot of really good things happening. There's a lot of lifestyle changes and reading and learning and educating and things like that. So sometimes it can feel like this question, like she's asking, which is, so is anything even working, even though there seems to be good things happening, but this one thing that is an unwanted behavior that none of us want is still happening. What do we do with that? So like a lot of things, a lot of what we describe in this recovery process, it's not a, there's not a formula for it. We talk about principles and things that need to be happening and certainly getting sober, in other words, stopping a behavior so it's no longer happening is a it's a requirement for long-term healing. It really needs to be totally diminished, if not eliminated, for there to be really the depth of healing that you need. And I look at those behaviors, the pornography and the other unwanted behaviors as something that can be eliminated. A lot of people think, well, just something you're just going to have to live with the rest of your life and so on. I don't believe that. I think it's something that you should not give up on and that should be something you can expect to go away someday. And if it keeps happening, especially at that frequency, then there's other things to look at. So when you ask the question, do we both just need to keep being patient? Absolutely. It's going to take time. However, I just want to reassure, I mean, she's writing the question for herself. She's ex exasperated. She, you know, he's not writing me the question. So I am curious how he feels about it. I don't know if he still wants this behavior in his life. That's something that she probably ought to ask him if he wants it in his life. If he, you know, sometimes there's a tendency to struggle to break up with the pornography. Some guys struggle to imagine life without it. Some guys struggle to believe that they can succeed or even do life or do emotions or relationships without having this in their, in their, I guess you could say their quiver or their kind of repertoire. It's like something that they need as an option or as a resource for them as a way of just doing life. So I think, first of all, you have to ask that question. And it may seem like such an obvious question because he might be going along or agreeing with you that this is not something that is good for the relationship, but he personally, individually, privately might be ashamed or might struggle to acknowledge that he just can't imagine his life without it. So I would check on that first. You obviously don't want it to be in your life. And I totally understand that. And, but again, you're the one writing me the, the, the question and asking about whether this is going to show up or not. So because of that, I'll speak to the betrayed partner here. I'll, I'll speak to her directly and basically say, recognize that you're allowed to have limits with this. If this pattern has persisted throughout the marriage and it's wearing you down and you are starting to break down and it's starting to diminish you as a person and really impacting you in a really severe way, your mental or physical health is suffering as a result. Recognize that there's no time period that you have to necessarily go through this or endure this. You are absolutely free to decide what you need to do and how you need to respond to this, whether that's with distance, whether that's with ending the relationship, which of course would be one extreme in terms of just ending it. Another could be pulling back on other areas and having boundaries and limits and, and really giving yourself kind of backing that lineup and giving yourself space until you feel more relaxed, more peaceful, less anxious. Because you can inadvertently get pulled into a cycle trying to rescue, trying to problem solve this, trying to overfunction to somehow help him overcome this. And, and your anxiety and fear can really start to break down and diminish your own health. And I'm not saying this in a blaming way at all. So please never take this, uh, what I'm about to say here, as, as any kind of a criticism or a blame. But it can also, that reactivity can also become a really tough dynamic just interpersonally where you, most of your interactions are just fraught with anxiety and, 
and so on. And, and that kind of a, that kind of an interaction can be really difficult for both of you. Now, I recognize that he has brought this into the relationship. He struggled to overcome it. I don't know what all his specific efforts have been. And that's something that, you know, he would have to perhaps communicate, you know, with me or another therapist about or coach and, and talk about that. But when I see somebody who's been struggling this long and is still acting out at that frequency, I believe that there's more things that need to be looked at. I believe that there are, even though there's been a lot of really positive gains, there's been a lot of things like, you know, improved education and connecting with a sponsor and probably making a lot of really important lifestyle changes that have hopefully improved his quality of life, your quality of life. Nobody can take those things from him or from you guys. I mean, those are things that are probably really happening and are improving everybody's quality of life. However, the presence of this pornography issue signals to me that there's other things going on that are going to require curiosity. And again, if you don't have the patience to be along for this part of the journey, then please take care of yourself. I hope you will. And I know that's easier said than done, but I just can't emphasize enough that you need to have permission and space to recognize that he might be working really hard on this, but it can still be having a really difficult impact on you and your life. And so please take care of yourself. But I do think that this is important to go to be curious and, and to really take this a little bit further down, really look at a few different areas. And there's three areas that I immediately thought of when I read your question. The first one is that there's sometimes unresolved trauma. Sometimes there are abuse or abandonment or other kinds of traumatic things that have happened, usually in an attachment type context. So this could be parenting or family of origin issues. This could be things like being bullied, even by siblings. There can be so many different ways that people can be traumatized and hurt relationally as a young person. I mean, all of us get, you know, get bumped around and, and hurt. And as we, you know, live with other imperfect people who struggle and oftentimes have their own wounds. And so if there are traumatic attachment injuries or things that have never been addressed, there are really good trauma treatments available out there. I'm specifically trained in accelerated resolution therapy, and I've seen it help so many people get relief. Uh, there's EMDR, somatic experiencing. There's so many great trauma modalities that can really help improve his ability to undo the need to mood alter with pornography. So I would encourage him to, if he's not already done some trauma work, to meet with a therapist or a coach who can help him start to look deeper into some of the traumatic issues that might have gone on. And sometimes trauma is not so obvious. Sometimes it's things like that might just seem normal in his family. They may have been things that, you know, everybody just thought was totally fine. I, I've talked with people who grew up in like really severe poverty and, and they didn't realize how embarrassed they felt or how much that impacted the way that they showed up and felt separate and distant and how they created almost like a double life for people with, you know, learning disabilities or there's all kinds of ways that you feel powerless and you start overcompensating or trying to react to that as a, as a young person. So really make sure you do everything. He does everything he can to really look at that trauma. I don't know if there's anything there, but it's absolutely something to look into. Another related type of issue that should be looked at pretty closely that goes beyond, you know, just stopping the behavior is really looking at the impact of any shame that he has, any shame-based identity. There's a lot that's been said about shame. And so a lot of people will, you know, reference someone like Brene Brown or whatever else. And she, she does a lot on shame and vulnerability, obviously, but there's some other resources that I think are really helpful that really get 
into the heart of shame and help you understand it. So, I mean, John Bradshaw is probably one of the most famous people that wrote about it in 20, 30 years ago. I like a lot of his stuff. Some of it's dated, but it's still really good information about the impact of shame. And again, shame, for those of you who maybe are new to the concept, is this deep sense of being flawed or unlovable or inadequate. And you're not going to change shame by just behaving better. And a lot of times people who are trying to overcome compulsive or addictive behaviors will still carry deep amounts of shame, even though on the surface they're checking all the boxes and, and their behavior is compliant. And so you can see people like it. I see this a lot in my religious community, my spiritual community, where people are, you know, they're doing everything. They're showing up early, setting up chairs, and they're, they're fulfilling all their assignments. And they're really just doing everything they can to be, to do good. And they, they love God and they want to serve, but so much of it is based out of fear and a belief that if they don't do those things, they'll be a bad person or that somebody will think they're a bad person. They're just always running from this sense of inadequacy, the sense of being broken. Working on shame, thankfully, is something that can be healing shame as possible. And working on it is difficult, but it's totally doable. And there's some great shame resources and books out there. John Bradshaw, I mentioned him. There's a, a book by Potter Efron. That's the last name. I'm blanking on the first name. Ronald, I believe. And I think it's called Letting Go of Shame. There's an audio book on Audible by Brett Lyon and Sheila Rubin called Healing Shame. So I would encourage you to, to look into that or have him look into that. Again, you're the one asking me the question, so I'm just going to speak through you. But hopefully he can get some help with shame if that's still there. And shame really impacts beliefs. It can really impact the belief that you can even heal. It affects how you deal with setbacks and relapses. So if he's relapsing every couple of weeks, the way he talks with himself about that, the way he sees himself, the way he believes about himself, those things can keep somebody stuck in a cycle of acting out, even though they're doing everything right in terms of recovery. So that's something to look more closely at. And the last thing I'll, I'll share in terms of an area that might be you know, unexamined or needs some time and attention is really this area of making lifestyle changes. So at a deeper level, this could be things like, for example, there's an author, Robert Glover, wrote a book called The No More Mr. Nice Guy, which talks about men who people please and men who have really bad boundaries and can't say no to people and just are obsessed with appearing as the nice guy and trying to be a nice person and just trying to basically never disappoint other people. Well, you can imagine how much chaos that would introduce into somebody's life when they're constantly trying to manage everybody's feelings and everybody's perception of them. This would create an ongoing need to somehow mood alter. And even though being a nice guy is a way of mood altering by you know people pleasing or getting compliance or trying to tell people what they want to hear and so on. Sometimes that can you know, now really pile up and not be enough. And then you need to escape and mood alter with some sort of form of fantasy or acting out or something like that. If those things are still going on, if there's ongoing every few weeks acting out, I would want to know what is creating that kind of pressure. Again, at, at the core question that I asked earlier is, does he even really want to give that up? And hopefully he can give you an honest answer about that. But if he does, and he's really genuinely working as hard as he can on this, I've seen a lot of really good, earnest, sincere people who want to overcome this, they really struggle with it. And, and oftentimes it's one of one or all of these three things. And there could be other things as well, but it's worth slowing down and taking some time and maybe spending some time with a, a therapist or coach to help uncover and understand why does he need to mood alter? Why does he need to escape? What's still pressing on his heart and his mind? 
what internal beliefs and self-talk and other things are still going on. Overcoming pornography is really about managing and understanding your emotional world, not just managing behavior. Because there's a lot of really strong, earnest people who are willing to just grit and bear down and just become just so behaviorally compliant. But that's not sustainable. We're not designed just to keep it at, you know, 11 out of 10 all the time, trying to not do something. What is he fighting? What is he running away from? What is he trying not to feel? Those are the questions that I would have for him. Hopefully this can be a resource for him opening a place to start as he's trying to improve his recovery efforts. I commend you for your willingness to stay in this and keep working at it. Even though you've been betrayed, you're asking questions. I think that that's really commendable that you value and prioritize your relationship and connection, that you can see the good that's happening. At the same time, you can acknowledge the good and still take care of yourself and make sure that you're you're not getting, again, like I said earlier, diminished or broken down from all of this. And I also wouldn't want your husband to be diminished or broken down by this if he sincerely wants this out of his life and he's working really hard to overcome it. I would never want him to feel like he's just some loser, that he's some disgusting person. Sometimes that's the shame. Those beliefs can drive someone crazy and keep them stuck in a cycle of acting out. Overcoming this is possible and I hope he'll stay with it. Thank you so much for submitting that question. I think it's a great question and I think that long-term recovery can be really tricky for a lot of people, especially when the core acting out behaviors are still popping up every so often. It can be maddening. It can be confusing about why are, you know, we're doing all these things. What are we missing? What is he missing? I guess is maybe the more accurate way to ask it. What is he missing? Because him acting out with pornography is obviously not your fault, the person who asked the question. So of course, the question is always going to be, what else can he be doing? Is he doing it wrong? Should I keep having to put up with this? I really hope that some of the things I've talked about today have answered some of those questions for you and given you a place to start. Once again, thanks for listening. It's always a, an honor to be with you every single week, be here with you and, and to talk through these really delicate and difficult things. And once again, you can check out the free course, The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust, using the link in the show notes. And I did reference the Trust Building Bootcamp as well. This has been a course that has helped so many people over the years. And it's uh, very in-depth and difficult. And I designed it that way to help people do the deeper work to overcome the broken trust and build a secure relationship with the person that they want to rebuild trust with. Thanks again. Good to be with you. Have a great week, everyone. Catch you in the next episode.